0: Welcome to Episode 114 of the Steptoe Cyberlaw Podcast, brought to you by Steptoe and Johnson. Thanks for joining us. Uh, We're lawyers talking about technology, security, privacy, and government. Uh, I'm joined today by uh, uh, our guest, uh, General Michael Hayden, uh, former director of the NSA, the CIA, deputy director of national intelligence, and author of a Great memoir, playing to the edge American intelligence in the age of terror. Uh, also for the news roundup, uh, it's just me and Michael Vattis. Uh, Michael is the, uh, uh, is formerly with the FBI and the Justice Department, now a partner in our New York office, and I'm Stuart Baker, formerly with NSA and DHS, uh, and having returned to Steptoe and Johnson to practice law more times than any other lawyer. So we had a, we had a jump right in. Uh, um, One unscheduled event. I got up this morning to discover that Satoshi Nakamoto had been unmasked again, and it turns out he's Craig Wright again, uh, or at least according to the early reports, and uh, now we're seeing a big backlash of uh, uh, people claiming that you know that when GQ doesn't invest, does investigative journalism maybe you can't completely rely on their uh, uh, determinations uh, um, we'll cover this next week uh, after a little bit of the uh, uh, back and forth has settled out uh, uh and actually there's um, there's pretty big news especially for uh child porn addicts who were hoping that they were all going to get out off because of the uh failure of the FBI to obtain uh, warrants from every jurisdiction where uh, the uh, the people who were downloading porn resided. Uh, um, as you remember from last week, uh, there was a determination that uh, it was unlawful for a uh, Virginia ju- uh, magistrate to issue a warrant for a Massachusetts computer. Um, and that led to the um, Demand on the part of the Justice Department that uh, uh, Rule 41 amendments be speeded up, and lo and behold, the, uh, Michael, they have been.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it was just uh, fortuitous timing because this this rule change has been in the works for a couple of years now, uh, and the second to last step is the Supreme Court has to approve it, which it did, and Chief Justice. Uh, Roberts then sent it on to Congress, uh, and the rule change will go into effect unless Congress affirmatively acts to stop it, uh, before December 1st. And, and so what this change will do will be, it'll, it'll allow a magistrate to issue a warrant to search computers outside of, of her district. Uh, right now magistrates are, are limited to issuing warrants for searches of property within uh, their districts. And so, you know, civil liberties groups, uh, companies like Google are, are up in arms that this gives too much uh, power to law enforcement to to infringe on people's privacy without being particular in describing the, the places to be searched. Um, but law enforcement sees this as the only way effectively to uh, search computers whose whereabouts they don't know. Uh, hey, you know, it's those a real are the guys bus-
0: those are the guys who created the uh uh, bound, uh boundary, borderless internet uh, and uh uh you know told us that we should rely on ip addresses instead of physical addresses uh, i can't imagine anything less interesting uh, in most cases than where a computer is located uh, from a particularity point of view
1: yeah and i, I think the real concern is that um it, not knowing who owns the computer or what its real involvement is in the crime that this is just going to be somehow abused by law enforcement to uh, in a way that ends up uh, resulting in the search of, of innocent people's computers um, but it seems to me you can you can construct the authorization in a way that even if you don't know the whereabouts of the computer you can you can limit um uh, your search to computers that are implicated in the crime.
0: Sure. you, ha- so you still, I, I don't really you, see
1: the threat here.
0: You still have to uh, have probable cause. <laughs> you still have to describe with particularity, uh, but particularity doesn't have to include uh, geo-coordinates. Uh, um, so, yeah, I think uh, this is probably uh, long overdue, and I think that uh, the likelihood that um, Congress is going to overturn this is close to zero. Uh, you know, Ron Wyden, of course, will will – Try to get it overturned, but uh, uh, getting a majority of Congress to stand with uh, uh, the child porn defendants is going to be tough.
1: Yeah, and, and the hackers. I mean, it's, you know, the, the cases we've seen have, have come out in the, recently in the context of, of child pornography investigations, but this is really also, uh, I think, a, a very uh, much needed tool to go after hackers that are, um, you know, taking over computers all over the world. And, and using them to attack computers here in the U.S.
0: Yeah, and actually, that that is the one place where this is going to be problematic is there 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 are going to be search warrants issued in good faith for, for computers that turn out to be located yeah. outside the United States, and uh, that is going to create some tricky issues for the State Department uh, um, and uh, and and maybe for the uh, uh, FBI guys who actually carry out the searches remotely yeah so but uh you know let's let let's worry about that when it actually happens um fisa news there's all kinds of fisa news and if there's a theme to the fisa news it's that 702 which is up for renewal uh, uh next year is getting a lot of attention partly because the solicitor general after misspeaking sort of went back and said uh, oh we have to give notice to anybody who uh uh, is accused of a crime uh, or otherwise disadvantaged uh, by government if part of the decision making was based on section 702 intercepts which is not exactly what they were doing before it, before this uh, uh and now we're starting to see some of those notices come out uh I, I think there's an Iraqi refugee who's been accused of traveling to Syria um a, and uh He's just gotten a notice, which means there's going to be a constitutional challenge to the surveillance in that case. Uh, uh, the New York Times, I think, uh, has been trying to find out whether OFAC, um, the Office of Foreign Assets Control at the Treasury, which issues lots and lots of determinations imposing sanctions on people uh, um, for a variety of terrorism and other uh, 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 crimes, uh has been giving notice to people before their uh, determinations if they've based if the treasury has based some of those uh, decisions on section seven oh two the uh, the uh, New York Times filed a FOIA case and has been actually litigating it, claiming there's this, um, conflicts in the testimony of the various treasury officials who spoke on this it doesn 't look as though they're making the an enormous amount of progress, but uh, um, it it does keep 702 in the news. Um, And I guess the last thing that I noticed was that uh, a handful of congressmen, well, more than a handful, 14 of the usual suspects, uh, people who uh, hate uh, NSA and uh, have been opposed to most of these programs for a while, uh, like Congressman Sensenbrenner, have sent d uh, and Clapper uh, a letter saying, we want to know how many Americans have had their communications swept up in a 702 uh, collection, which might be aimed at someone abroad and uh, might focus on communications to or from the United States, but which... Could easily include a lot of American communications, uh, one way or the other. Uh, and uh, uh, Dni Clapper is trying to figure out if and how he can he can give them uh, the information that they want. And obviously, they're hoping for a large number. And I'm guessing it would be a pretty large number. Uh, I don't know, uh, Michael. Uh, but you know, uh, one if you're sending a communication to or from the United States, there's probably an American on one end or the other of that. Uh, and if you're picking up communications beyond uh, communications that mention a particular email address or phone number, um, it could easily be in Americans if you're if you're picking up stuff that is uh, has at least one end in the U.S. So uh, I'm guessing that there are at least as many Americans as there are targets who are having communications uh, uh, picked up in these uh, targeted uh, 702 uh, intercepts.
1: Yeah, I think the more interesting and the more important uh, number that they that they are probably interested in is the the number of Americans who have been the subject of of searches of that database. Because as you discussed last week, um, you know the FISA Court has said that the FBI can go and and search for the communications of Americans who were not the target of the 702 surveillance. But whose communications are now in the database because they were somehow involved in communications with people who were the targets. Uh, and so, you know, I think I think it's certainly fair and justified for Congress to ask how many times has the FBI or some other law enforcement agency, for purely uh, domestic law enforcement investigations, searched that database without having to get a warrant? Um, right. That yeah. seems to me something right. Congress is going to insist on, and. and if, if Clapper doesn't give that up, I think 702 is going to be in serious trouble.
0: I, I, I actually, I don't, I doubt that, but I, 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 uh, I'm sort of soft on that. It's very hard for, for anybody to know whether there are Americans in the database without going back into the database and analyzing everybody who wasn't a target and trying to figure out whether they're an American, which, you know, has privacy implications of its own. But it ought to be possible. Uh, uh, to determine how many times the FBI, and I think would almost always be the FBI, has gone into an existing database to look for data about an American. If, if they're not keeping records of that, it would be a big surprise, uh, and I think wrong. Yeah. Um, so he ought to be able to come up with a number on that, unless there's a question of whether that was – purely criminal without a national security uh, element, because my guess is you don't always know when you're conducting an investigation whether there's a, a national security element to it.
1: Yeah, but well, if they should be able to answer that, I mean, I, I think it'd be fair for Congress to ask, uh, you know, how many times have you searched the database for communications of Americans for whatever purpose, and then they can, they can look into that um, further.
0: Yeah, although I, you know... No, Nobody should be unhappy uh, other than that we have so many Americans who are prey to ISIS uh, if uh, there are a lot of searches that are uh, terrorism related to, uh, after the fact that really shouldn't be a big deal of, uh, if they looked for Americans whom they suspect of terrorism
1: no but but look you know uh the executive branch has justified, uh, having these broad authorities, you know, being able to, to scoop up all these communications without having to get a, a warrant in advance, uh, because they've said there's, there's this great oversight. There's oversight by the FISA court. There's oversight by Congress. That's where privacy protections come into play. Well, you can't take that argument and then say, oh, well, we're actually not going to give the necessary information to Congress to do the oversight because we think you know, somehow, uh, it's, it's not relevant or it's not important or we don't have the data. I mean, if you're going to put, if you're going to put all your eggs in the oversight basket, then you got to let oversight actually work.
0: Yeah. Although I don't think any one of these congressmen is, um, is from the intelligence committees, uh, which do the oversight and which have the clearances. These are a bunch of looks like judiciary committee, uh, enthusiasts for, uh, uh, beating up the national security, uh, uh, agencies. Uh, uh, but I, I, I take your point. Uh, they ought to know, and they ought to be able to say, and there's nothing classified about it. Uh, and, uh, they ought to be cautious about, uh, uh, using this for, for law enforcement purposes. Uh, uh, and they ought to have decent records. So, uh, we'll probably hear more about that. Um, I, uh, the, the news in the U- U.S., uh, to the extent that there's news about this, is that Nebraska has uh, uh, expanded its data breach law, and I know you wrote something about this. Uh, it actually sounded surprisingly sensible in terms of the changes that they were making, although it does expand liability and it does uh, uh, require more from companies.
1: Uh, yeah, the, the the main change uh, in Nebraska's amendment is to expand the definition of personal information to include not only the usual things such as uh, credit or debit acar- uh, account number uh, or financial account number or social security number, but also online uh, account uh, information. So your your email, uh, user ID, and Password or secret question and answer. So anything to, to allow access to an online account it could be a social media account. Um, I think there are about a, a half dozen states that now have that broader definition of personal information, which uh, obviously greatly increases the the number of companies that would have to uh, notify. Uh, people in Nebraska, at least, and those other few states that have this broad definition. Yeah, um, but I,
0: you know, uh, my my, it has been breached. my thinking on this is uh, that's actually a real risk. If 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 I were the kind of person who reused my uh, passwords, I'd really want to know if my password had been compromised uh, in somebody's database.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's part of the, the logic for it. I, I think the the other motivation is um, you know that people put so much uh, uh, personal information into their social media accounts, into their emails, that even if it's not going to lead to uh, financial loss, it, it, it could lead to a, uh, an infringement on their privacy if somebody gets access to that information. So people are entitled to know.
0: Yeah, I suppose. I, you know, my, my, mine is, is just filled with, uh, you know, descriptions of the podcast. Uh, so they, uh, the hackers are welcome to it. Um, uh, but, uh, okay. And uh, there was, they also, uh, I thought, Kind of sensibly said, you can't say your data was encrypted if you included the encryption key with the uh, the data, so that anybody who finds the data can decrypt it.
1: Well, if it's if it's been if the key has been breached, then then you don't get the the benefit of the encryption exemption.
0: Yeah, uh, which also is kind of sensible. Um, All right. Um. The the there was news in the press. Um. Uh, toward the. Beginning of the week that uh, suggested that Cyber Command had started dropping, as they put it, cyber bombs on ISIS uh, for the first time, Uh, and I I guess we're supposed to think that's a a really big development. I kind of wonder. It seems to me that we're dropping real bombs on on ISIS. The likelihood we could do a lot more damage by uh, attacking them in cyberspace uh, is remote there there may be some things where you can you can knock down their websites or you can uh, uh herd them into places that you'd like them to be or send them fake messages saying uh you know the commander would like you all to assemble in the northwest corner of the uh, quad uh, uh, and uh, and stay there for 15 minutes, please. Uh, well, that was, uh, uh, there are some things you could do, but uh, it didn't strike me that uh, uh, cyber weapons were going to play a big role in the fight against ISIS.
1: No, I, I had a similar reaction. It just seems like a strange thing to be crowing about when they're they're so secretive about their capabilities and and. Uh, when they might actually use offensive cyber tools um, and then to be talking about bringing down isis uh websites or you know' rec- they're used for recruiting and things like that seems seems kind of silly
0: yeah i have a I kind of have a feeling that uh the president who 's been pretty good about uh uh seeking budget increases for cyber command uh, finally said at one of his briefings. So I'm spending all this money, yeah, uh, and I'm I'm in a fight with ISIS. How come I'm not actually getting any value out of my uh, expenditures in the one fight that I'm uh, engaged in? And and so Cyber Command kind of had to show that it could be could do something useful. Um, but I, I I think I've said someplace else that this is a little like saying, uh, yeah, to show that our defense budget is worthwhile, we're going to start attacking ISIS with stealth fighter jets. Uh, it's just not, that's not the thing we, we most need in the fight. Um, but we'll see. Um, and uh, uh, last topic, uh, the uh, uh, number portability uh, database, uh, which uh, is, uh, is what allows your phone to ring when somebody dials the number that you had when you were in college, uh, uh, even though you've moved 16 times and changed providers 12 times. Uh, uh, this, uh, it's a very complicated uh, database that uh, needs to be pretty carefully protected uh, because if you could screw up the translation of your phone number into the real phone number that's actually delivering the call to you, um, it, you could screw up calls all over the country. Uh, there's been this ongoing fight, and we've been representing one of the companies that's in the fight uh, over the security standards that Auto apply to the database. Um, uh, what's interesting, and this had nothing to do with uh, with our client, but uh, uh, the company that won the contract uh, was just the subject of a long story in the uh, uh, Washington Post suggesting that they had used a Chinese national and a British national to write code and then had to disclose it and then had to uh, rip out the code and write new code. To, um, so there's a uh, a lot of churn around the national security elements of that uh, uh, database uh, and probably more questions to come as people try to figure out whether this was just a, a one-off mistake or whether there's some uh, broader problem with the procedures that the company that's uh, uh taking on the contract has been has been applying so that was i thought that was interesting uh um, michael anything more uh
1: did you want to talk about the 337 case
0: oh yeah that's right uh, uh i i think this is a potentially big deal there's a uh um, a case that has just been filed by uh, U.S. Steel and U.S. Steel makers uh, in front of the ITC under Section 30, 337, which prohibits unfair trade practices. And the unfair trade practice uh, – uh, among the unfair trade practices alleged by the U.S. manufacturers – is commercial cyber espionage. If, if you remember, the PLA uh, um, uh, hackers uh, were indicted in part for hacking U.S. steel, uh, and the indictment didn't say much about what they got, uh, uh, but the uh, filing at the ITC accuses the Chinese of stealing a whole bunch of technology for advanced steelmaking uh, and uh, they actually say it went to a particular uh, Chinese state-owned enterprise, I think Bao Steel, uh, and uh, uh, they are asking the ITC to say, "Yeah, stealing intellectual property using uh, uh, hackers is an unfair trade practice. That ought to be a no-brainer, uh, and uh, that uh, it ought to be possible to exclude the uh, products of that company from the U.S., which would be, uh, probably a much more, uh, difficult question, but, uh, it is a, a remedy under the statute. Uh, so, um, we're gonna see a, um, a real fight, uh, over whether the attribution the U.S. government engaged in a couple of years ago is going to lead to retribution at the hands of a private company. Uh, the ITC has to move on this case. Um, by statute in about a year, uh, and so the next president will be faced with a recommendation one way or the other from the ITC about whether to take action um, uh, on a variety of alleged unfair trade practices, including cyber, commercial cyber espionage. So, so if uh, the people who made fun of the, the indictment are looking less prescient uh, as a result of this filing.
1: Yeah, you know, I think you talked about using 337 as a as a tool uh, even before the podcast started. So it's it's finally um, coming to fruition that idea. And I think it's I think you're right. This is going to be very interesting to see how this plays out because it means there could be real consequences to to hacking um, in a way that are directly felt by the beneficiaries of the hacking, if not the actual perpetrators.
0: Yeah, we'll see. You know, they they, they, they still have to prove the case. And uh, uh, I, I think it's potentially significant that um, the U.S. government has not imposed OFAC sanctions uh, on this company, uh, uh, which may mean that uh, they're not as convinced of the evidence uh, as uh, um, U.S. Steel. So... I think it'll be, it'll be an interesting and tough issue and it'll include a whole bunch of, uh, uh, classified information that will have to be sorted through by the ITC. Um, but we're certainly well, going be to be... Hear... Real... Can I have? Yeah, I
1: mean, it may, it may not be that the, that OFAC isn't as convinced by the evidence as, uh, it could be diplomatic factors or, uh, sensitivities about classified Information that they would need to rely on as evidence, where, whereas U.S. Steel doesn't have to worry about any of that stuff, yep. or at least not as much.
0: No, it, you're right. That, that's that. It, there's all kinds of possibilities, and we'll get to um, see them. I think there's going to be a determination in about 30 days whether to proceed with the case, and then the whole um, uh, uh, case gets uh, addressed over the next year. Well, now let's turn to our interview with General Michael Hayden. Uh, um, this is uh, this is a great book. I really Thank enjoyed you. it. Uh, 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 and uh, let me ask. Uh, uh, it feels like you wrote it yourself. Oh, no. I, I definitely wrote it myself. Yeah. So there's no question about it. So there's a lot of that going around. I I, I wonder if there's a new enthusiasm for that. Rizzo's book is yeah. every John, word. John has,
2: was, it was John. It sounded like John. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, Bob Gates. Uh, I, 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 I suspect there's something about being in the intelligence community that makes you feel like you can write persuasively uh, on your own.
2: Well, I mean... Don't get me wrong. I mean this in the best sense of the word. We're all storytellers. Yes.
0: In, I mean, in, in
2: intelligence, yes. You, you get to tell the story. And, and so you probably build up some comfort level. Yeah. And you, Maybe you, false confidence right. that you can still
0: tell the story, Yeah, Yeah, but but you uh, think you can tell the story. I, I think that's right. Uh, it's, but it's very interesting because, you know, for years you didn't ever expect right. somebody who had a, a, a good job in government to be able to write their own story. Actually, Stuart, this is too
2: self-referential, but I would uh, send the, the draft out. And uh, I'd get a comment, oh, uh, the style is very good. Uh, who's writing that for you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: going, Wait a minute. I've been using verbs since I was born. <laughs> well, actually, that's that's a skill that not every government official has mastered. <laughs> uh, oh, so let, let's jump right into the book. Uh, and uh, there's an enormous amount in here. But I thought that one of the things that was really interesting was you talked a lot about how the – The NSA and really the entire intelligence community wrenched itself around in the wake of 9-11. Plenty of money, but it had a task that it had never had to do before, which is find this one guy in the wastes of Waziristan and kill him. And learning to do that was a real challenge. It was. Um, I think we had a lot of latent ability to do that.
2: Yep. We had uh, begun to transition a bit. One interesting thing, and I mentioned this, I mentioned this um, in the CIA portion of the book, although Mm -hmm. I think your question kind of reflects the NSA transition early on in the war. Um, The people in CIA that seemed to be most able to easily and quickly transition from traditional work to counterterrorism were people from LA and AF, people from Latin America and the Africa Division. used to working with weak and or corrupt governments, Yep. Uh, used, used to working in unusual legal and ethical circumstances.
0: <laughs> right. Um, well, and frankly, also used to showing up with a bag full of cash to get done what they need to get And done. so,
2: if it, you know, we won't go into names here, but you and I both know an awful lot of prominent folks in the CT effort
0: who, who actually yep. cut their teeth in Africa and in Latin America. Yeah. So I, here's here's a question for the future, though. We we have gotten good at that, and I wonder if our getting good at that and spending all that money to get good at that has not led to a, a certain atrophy of the more traditional strategic intelligence capabilities. Yeah. Well, let me remove all doubt from your mind. Yes, it has. Uh
2: huh. Yeah, and and it's it's inevitable, and 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 it's, it doesn't do any good. For me, when I was in government, or for folks who are in government now, to say, "Oh, no, 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 we got it all. We understand." Uh-huh. We, uh, no, I mean, institutions are like people; they only have so much time and so much energy. Right. And if you put more over here, there's just less that's going to happen over here. I there's there's one vignette in the book that I, I think captures it. And Dave Petraeus had come to the house. He was talking to all uh, living former directors. Uh-huh. He and Holly came. We had breakfast in the kitchen. Dave asks his questions in his ubiquitous notebooks, writing yeah. it down. Uh, we're done, we're walking towards the front door, the ladies are in front, and I do that classic that classic D C pull aside. Hey, Dave, <laughs> Dave, we... Dave, yeah, one more thing. Right. And and the line I, I use, Stuart, is Dave, CIA has never looked more like OSS than it does right now, and that's good. America's safer because of it. Right. But you've got to realize it's not OSS. And you're gonna have to struggle. The way I did, the way I think Leon did, to remind yourself and the institution every day that it's the nation's global espionage service, mm-hmm. and so that's that's the challenge that that CIA NSA has has the same issue. You know, the first initial is N. It still means what it used to mean, right. the national security agency, and yet a tremendous amount of its energy right now, Stuart, still is down a brigade. Regiment battalion for U.S. troops in contact.
0: Well, I always thought the N in NSA uh, was intended if there wasn't a war on. But if there's a war on, by God, it, it, we're about serving the Pentagon. It's it's supposed to be a combat support agency
2: too, and and you're absolutely. When I did this, mm-hmm. right? I, I I tell a story in the book where Eric Hazeltine, my chief of research. Recently of Disney, when right. we hired him from California, he went to the theater for about ten days. You know, usually somebody like me gets two and a half days, and right. and, and off you go. He stayed, and he came back and said, "I got to talk to you." Okay, said so they, they love you at MNFI, mm-hmm. Multi National Forces Iraq. You're a pretty good guy at Corps. Division's okay. They don't know who you are at Brigade. <laughs> <laughs> right. And 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 what was the, the issue? Stuart, and this, this actually is very important for the, for the topic we're talking about, is that SIGINT over time is now more a service than a product. This is not something for the read board. Right. This is something that has to be interactive, particularly in a combat situation. And you can't be interactive if you're not physically present, despite all the electronic digital magic we can create. And so, what we did as the national security agency was to embed teams down to the brigade in the Army and regiments in the Marines.
0: Yeah. So, I, I, I can't, I, I don't even remember who it was who said, uh, intelligence. For the policymaker is as though he's driving on a one-lane dirt road at sixty miles an hour in the mountains, and intelligence is the guy in the back seat handing him four-page memos. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you have to you have to get in and say, no, this guy needs just to be told. Right. Turn left. Turn left <laughs> now. Yeah, right. Shade shade on this side right now. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, and. The other thing that, of course, the CIA has gotten very good at, uh, is drone uh, attacks. I guess I, uh, uh, I, I may be in an area that is not, well, a we've gotten really attack. good at supporting them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and, and one of the questions is, is that really something that, uh, DOD ought to do exclusively? Well, you know, I, as you already alluded, you know, our
2: government is not, confirmed or denied who may or may not be on the Department of Defense, be doing anything. And so, but I was at great liberty to talk in the book about how exquisite intelligence is is essential to successful, Mm -hmm. let's be candid, targeted killing. Yep. And uh, I would offer you the view that an intelligence organization like CIA operates to know, whereas DOD in its heart of hearts, operates to act, mm-hmm. and I would think that in, in, in a program in which everything depends upon incredibly exquisite intelligence, um, a good prominent role for support from an institution that is operating to know, mm-hmm. you you want to be a little careful before you begin to shut those
0: kinds of things off. Right, right, and and it, the the more flex there is in the joints between the knowing and the doing yeah. the bigger the risk that somebody's going to, they're just, just going to point fingers at each other and that, that, get it right.
2: That, 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 that's right. And again, without commenting on who, who, who does what to whom, all right? Um, so, I guess the question I ask of critics is so, I'm sorry, what's wrong with the current program? Okay, right. You know? Now look, now there, there are good people who say everything. Right. <laughs> okay. Yes. They, they just oppose the program. Right. But, you know, in the real world, if you've got a president who's decided to do targeted killings, mm-hmm. what's the structure best designed? And even if it pulls CIA in its intelligence support function, St- Stuart, I also say in the book that an awful lot of what we call analysis in the American intelligence community today mm-hmm. is targeting. It's targeting for action, it's targeting for collection, it's targeting for make sure he doesn't get on an airplane. Sure. It's disambiguation of data. So you can get down to the minute specific, yes, that's him. Right. Right? Uh, That's a good thing. But as we talked about a few minutes
0: ago, it's at the expense of the general. Right. Right. Yeah, uh, and it's doing, frankly, you know, that, I, you don't do a lot of targeting, uh, and also sitting in your study with a pipe and a leather jacket or leather uh, patch on it. Yes,
2: it's it's reflecting. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, but again, it, it's not cost free. Right. Because those guys with the, uh, patches and the pipe and the, and the drink, sitting in the easy chair, buffing a pipe, uh, you need that kind of reflection. I'll give you a thought. We were at Aspen. We were at Aspen. Uh, summer uh, ago, and uh, Robert Cadillo, now head of NGA, mm-hmm. kind of allowed, yeah, we we may have missed the uh, the growth of ISIS. We, we we probably didn't emphasize that enough for the policy guys. And I don't know whether that's true. Mm-hmm. Right? Somebody had the slows. Right. I'm not sure whether it was intel or policy, but yes, right. we had the slows. And I got to ask the question about that the next day. And I said, look, I, I, don't, I wasn't in government, right? so Robert what Robert says is going to stand uh, based upon you know, Robert's good word. I said, but, but if Intel had the slows here, it may be because they were so focused on cutting down the copse of trees over here mm-hmm. that they didn't have time to notice the second growth forest coming back over here.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that, that, that could be, but I, I think there, there, there's also an element of falling on the grenade, uh, in that. Uh, I, I, <laughs> again,
2: I'm not privy to details, but, uh, I'm open to the possibility that it was policy that had the slows.
0: Yeah, yeah, cause they, they just didn't want to see, didn't want to hear. So well, actually, let me, let me, let me ask about one other place where there's a do, um exploit uh, conflict And it has to do with ISIS. Okay. Uh, um, we've just been told, you know, we're dropping cyber bombs on ISIS, uh, and we're u- using uh, tools to attack them in cyberspace. And I, I frankly... My first reaction was to say, well, you know, we're dropping real bombs. Dropping cyber bombs might not make much uh, uh, difference. And then, of course, there was a paragraph in that uh, story that suggested that NSA was very troubled that every time they uh, – Exploited somebody, attacked somebody in cyberspace, they lost the ability to exploit them. Yeah. And that's constant tension. Yeah, you know, and it doesn't, you don't have to go to cyberspace to do that. Right. It happens
2: in HF communications, microwave, and so on. That's kind of the, the history of, uh, do, do I listen in order, in order to enable other kinetic action? Mm-hmm. Or do I deny them the ability to communicate? Both of which can right. have great benefits. And so you have to, you have to trade off. Non-fact based at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm willing to let it run a little bit. Let's go ahead and whack some moles, right? Knowing full well we're probably whacking some moles, right? All right. Um, we have we have ceded the battle space to ISIS for a couple of years now.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: They they've been able to run pretty much free there, and so let's. This may be one of those things. I mean, you, you, it, I would never characterize it as just a petri dish. Where we're going to go experiment, right? right? Uh, but you know, you do have to build up operational experience in, in order to be able to make these kinds of judgments going forward. So it may be that we've built up, and, and this is an important point, that we've now had enough time on this target. That the other elements of American collection, which are more slow moving, right. like human collection, yeah, have may, had a chance to may, may have built up enough wherewithal that we might now want to go deny the enemy this space because we we think we can kind of backfill whatever intel loss might occur.
0: Yeah. I'm
2: making that up entirely, no, but, but, but it, it, it's it, a makes, plausible it makes sense to,
0: to to experiment and uh, you know that uh, Syria may turn out to be uh, for cyber what uh, Spain was for air power. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, okay, I, 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 I can see that, uh, that sort of slides me into, a, another question I was thinking about as I was reading this, which is cyber command. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of what was going on here, I've suspect is the president has been pretty good to cyber command in their budget and uh, um he started asking pointed questions about what he was getting for his money <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fair enough <laughs> uh, and uh, and that raises the question so with cyber command obviously they 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 only exist to attack they don't exist to exploit but they work so closely with NSA that uh, they can internalize some of that conflict. Uh, But I wonder uh, as we think about how cyber command is going to be organized in the future, is it going to be split off from the uh, director of NSA? Uh, What kind of commands is it going to be? How do you see the future playing out? And, you know, if if you were asked how should we organize those two entities, what would you say? So
2: here's the step functions I would, I would follow Uh, as Early as conveniently possible. This is not an, an emergency. Mm-hmm. But in, in, in due course, when we modify the unified command plan again, right. I, I would pull Cyber Command out from underneath STRATCOM. Right. All right? And I, I would make it a full freestanding uh, combatant command. I, I think the, the, the Omaha overhang there yeah. it, it just gets in the way. Of that was, that was, it was more of
0: an umbrella than yeah. uh, 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 anything actually, else.
2: Actually, actually, when it started, uh, I was the commander of JFCCNW, Joint Functional Component Command, Net Warfare, which was the embryonic cyber command, and we tucked it under Stratcom. I worked for Jim Cartwright right. in that, because I needed some combatant commands wartime authorities. Yes. I, I, you know, the it doesn't. The director of NSA doesn't have it. Uh, now that we've moved forward, we've created a combatant command. We can give the commander cyber command combat authorities. Uh, so that's that's the next logical step. And then I think, Stuart, when when Mike Rogers leaves, mm-hmm. we probably need to s- split the jobs.
0: Okay. You know, I I, I resist that. Instinctively, for fear of all of the conflicts that we will suddenly discover between NSA and its mission and its civilians and cyber command and its brass and relatively limited number of foot soldiers so so here's
2: so here let me argue for your proposition here for a moment. <laughs> uh, how many resources do we have? How, you know, can can we actually afford two stables of Mm -hmm. folks? And, you know, and the answer is over time we can. Right. And at some point we're going to cross over. That was never possible when it started. Right. All right. We're, we're, we're probably now in a gray zone. Okay. All right. But at some point in that gray zone, there should be enough combat power, so to speak, to, to actually appropriately man the command and NSA. And here's, here, and, and I, and I think we ought to move in that direction for a couple of reasons. Number one, I was Dernza. Mm-hmm. I was director of NSA. I was operating under the, the misperception that it was full-time day work. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, okay. And apparently it wasn't. Uh, yeah, okay, but just, just the other duty <laughs> is assigned. Yeah. Uh, you, 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 you get the point. Yeah. All right? It, it's not that Mike Rogers has too much power. It's that Mike has too much work.
0: Yeah. Well, that's fair.
2: A, 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 second, a second point is that I fear that the four-star position that Mike holds, which is combatant commander, trumps the three-star position that he holds,
0: Director of NSA. Ah, So he he feels obliged by the rank to spend his time on cyber command. Even if he doesn't, those
2: people who are going to pick his replacement are going to decide who
0: is the best fit for the four-star job. Right. Course. and, and they, 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 the the old days when you just said, well, who's the best Intel right. uh, guy right. in the military is not how they're going to choose. Nah, what I need what I need here is an indirect fires guy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I want somebody with a big jaw and a sense of command. Yeah. And yeah. so, and 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 so, uh,
2: we we worried about this seriously yeah. when um, when when Cyber Command was first stood up. Uh, I had some conversations with Mike McConnell, who was DNI, and to, to summarize, I mean, it was more complicated and more friendly and less blunt than I'm going to give it to you. It, it was, uh, you know, that NSA stuff's still important. And, uh, yeah. and we can't avoid establishing cyber command. But let me recommend that you be a squeaky wheel at every opportunity. Well, you could say, don't forget about Intel. <gasps> yeah.
0: Well, and this is I think that's going to be more so under a force of the, because there are going to be two people running organizations that have the same resources in many cases, right. and one of them has one more star. Right. Uh, and, and so we know that in wartime – NSA right. is well. We just pulled. discussed that the right. combat role so, trumps the other role. So and and the combatant command is always yeah. in combat yeah. after a fashion. So that,
2: I, this command especially is yeah. this command. So so let's, let's spin it one or two more times. What command does this look like? And I think it looks like SOCOM. Yeah, it does. Okay. And at which point when did it get an MFP twelve? Yeah. Right. All right. I mean to. To decode that, we, we divide our defense budget into major force programs. And SOCOM, the commander of Special Operations Command, is the only combatant commander who, is, who has a checkbook. Yes. He has a major force program. And do you want to give now the Cyber Command commander a, a checkbook? Yeah, interesting. And so, I mean, look, yeah. we're, look we're struggling, all right. right? We've never done this before. And I do think the SOCOM JSOC yeah. model for special with MFP-11 right. offers... Something we ought to think about for a cyber command, a cyber combat operations center, and a major force program to, to fund it.
0: Well, and if, you, if, you, if you, those are the two combatant commands, the two parts of DOD that are actually still going up in budget, as far right. as I can tell. So, right. Uh, all right. So let me let me take you back to um, Stellar Wind, which you know everybody <laughs> wants to talk about, and, and I can't help uh, uh, talking about uh, as well. Um, stellar Wind is, is the program we now know as 702 and 215. Actually, it's so, more 215.
2: Okay. Okay, 702. Uh, the line I have on 702 okay. is the Congress goes, goes and authorizes yes. things that George Bush never even thought of. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, so, God. No, <laughs> no seriously, seriously,
2: 702 is so dramatically beyond anything we did under Stellar Wind. Okay. okay. But 215,
0: fair if, enough. All right. So, um, And it was more than 215, but it was never 702. Got it. Um, and as reported it was at least metadata for yeah. um a phone and uh and internet communication. And we did we did do telephony content for yes. international calls. That's right. Yeah. And and so um one of the discussions of 215 as it was being debated, uh, and a point I made often was that it was born of a failure at, at NSA, a failure to find the San Diego phone calls. Uh, and I guess uh, I've never asked this question. You were there. How long was it before you knew you'd missed that? Uh, you know, you know, I don't know. I, I, I can tell you this.
2: It, uh, it, I have no memory. Of going, damn, we missed the San Diego guys. We should ask the president for this authority. Okay, it wasn't that way. No, I think it was the other way around. So you had, you'd been sort of, you knew that this was an authority. This, you knew this
0: was a seam. Yes, we did, we did,
2: because because in the in the in the uh, Millennium Weekend, right?
0: right, Yes,
2: when everyone was nervous about about attacks beyond Y two K, my ops and legal folks came in and wanted to do a version. Of 215 under the Thin Thread program, and I remember we, we Thin can, Thread. We can unpeel this if you like, but but fundamentally, they they, they wanted to do metadata chaining through U.S. metadata numbers, and uh, my lawyer said that, that we, we, we don't have the authority to do that, and I said, well, let's try. Take it to justice. Right. And Justice laughed at him. I said, you right. don't have the authority to do that. You know that. Go home. Uh, the point being, we knew there was a seam. Yes. And we did not have the legal authority then to fill the same. So then, then when I get the question, if I give you legal authority, Hayden, what more could you do? Oh,
0: you knew. You had hey, this on. Yeah. It was right there. Right. We, we knew that was there. Okay. So uh, you start doing that. And uh, this kind of remarkable uh, because the president says – he reads FISA. FISA says you can't do anything without a FISA court order. Uh, and, um, he and David Addington and White House counsel's office say, but this is wartime. We need to do this. We can't go to, uh, Congress and get this changed fast enough. Right. And frankly, there was resistance to making more than modest changes to, uh, to FISA. Um, and so the president says, I'm just going to do this, notwithstanding FISA. Um, and it rolls forward and everybody signs on inside the administration. Yeah. I. Uh,
2: by, by the way, you know, I mean, you get a little drama in '04, the George Washington Hospital, the yes, breathless yes. run, and never about 215. Right. Never about the, me,
0: never about the telephony metadata collection. There mm. was
2: never any controversy. So no,
0: nobody is arguing this is a violation of FISA and we don't have the authority. No, they, people would say it is inconsistent with FISA. Right. And the president does have the authority. <laughs> and,
2: Interesting. And so so we, we took this to the FISA court. In January of 02. Right. All right. And it, and it had to do with, um, stellar wind derived data showing up in other FISA. Right, so you applications wanted to brief so them. The, so the chief, we had to tell the chief judge who would be the only one we would take these kinds of applications to. And I was there with John Yu mm-hmm. and the attorney general, uh, attorney general Ashcroft, uh, the chief of the FISA court, uh, and me. And, uh, I get to lay down Kind of, the Attorney General does the big hand little map army briefing. In essence, saying, the general has got some stuff to tell you, judge. (laughs) And (laughs) and then I I lay out the fine print, and then I just sit back and and, and watch the lawyers in the room discuss it. And it was about inherent constitutional authority, commander-in-chief, to the degree it denies the president is commander-in-chief's authority. That cannot be constitutional. FISA is a good thing. If FISA were different, that would be great. It would add an additional political safe haven to the president's action, but not necessarily but not a constitutional safe haven, which he already has, is because and so it's just, you know, and frankly, uh, all my lawyers at NSA agreed, yeah. and there seriously there was never a hiccup on the metadata a- acquisition. It wasn't right. collection, you know, it was acquiring it from the telecom.
0: So and I I know I know some of this is still classified, but what I find striking is that with that, you know. Big 800 pound gorilla in the room: the question of whether you can just act inconsistent with a statute that says you can't. Um, justice doesn't object, but Jim Comey objects about something. He, he objects about another aspect of the program, right?
2: And and here, this, I'm going to be I'm going to be pretty pretty efficient here in, mm-hmm. in, in summarizing it. First of all, he was com- quite comfortable with most of the program, or at least comfortable enough. He was quite willing right. to sign off on it because I've got a signature in my safe for me. <laughs> right. um, but he was concerned about one pro- part of the program, and, and, and Stuart, it, it wasn't that it was. Um, Constitutionally, in the small C sense of the word, Mm -hmm. not that it was constitutionally wrong; that that in its essence it was wrong. Right. It was that he did not think it met the reasonableness standard of the Constitution because of the mingling of targeted and untargeted data. Right. And now that's, as you well know, that's a gray area. What what constitutes reasonableness? Because you know, and and as you well know, all of a sudden, if you get a new widget that allows you to be more discriminating, your old widget is now is no longer reasonable. Yes. You, you've got right. to put the new right, widget right. in. Right? And so the argument was could we be.
0: Uh, I'll be more discriminatory.
2: Yes. Or, 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 or discriminating. Or, or, given the limits of our science, yes. is that sufficiently discriminating? And our view was it was, and his view was it wasn't. Such now, a funny now, he, 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 he He pushes it. The story is told in the book, uh, the program gets stopped, and then we go to the FISA court. Okay?
0: the court says yes, right? The
2: court says, given the limits of technology, oh, by the way, tuck it in a little more here, right. tuck it in a little more over there, tighten it up over there. The
0: usual FISA dance.
2: Right. Um, but given the limits of technology, yeah, I think that's reasonable. Right. And so we actually resume that part of the program and by September of 2004. But I, my memory is the they,
0: they pulled it back if,
2: eventually but yes i oh yeah that in, in 2011 they finally said okay operationally
0: it's not paying right. off it's not worth a candle so I, I i'm what i'm puzzled by and this is i i i know jim comey and i like him yeah. and i think he's a wonderful yeah. guy i know he a matter of principle but boy to 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 make that a matter of principle what's what you're capable of what's reasonable i know better than everybody else here it's it's, it's very interesting do you think that tell I'll ask you a hard <laughs> question. Do you think that means that there is no possible way that the investigation of Hillary Clinton is going to be shortchanged or compromised? I, I have said consistently this operation is in the best this, – this
2: investigation is in the best possible That's hands. what I would have thought. He will, he will let the data take him where, where it, it goes. And, and – and just as he did in this case, and look, I, I, I tell one story in the book. We had one really harsh meeting you know, right before everything blew up. Right. right, and he went out of his way to shake my hand. And and the Saturday after we got the order to stop, all right, Bob Mueller calls me at home and says, Mike, this is not between you and me. We're still good. Huh. I mean, this. In, in other words, yeah. he was just saying, look. We, this is no judgment on you, your agency, your character, the agency's character. And this, this was just a technical the legal lawyers dispute. differ. We came down on a different side of the issue, but this is not going to interfere with anything
0: between us, which is a little bit different than the context you get from the public account of this. Right, right. But, you know, who knows? The, the, sometimes it's, uh, it's the, Person who's writing down what what he's hearing, but puts their own spin on it. Uh, uh, All right. Well, this this has been great. We're almost done, and I I just wanted to uh, talk very briefly. You've spent, you've been very active since leaving government, uh, and active in trying to shape. Continue to shape policy, uh, uh, the enhanced interrogation Mm. debate, uh, um, uh, the question of uh, whether 215 ought to survive or not. Uh, um, Where do you think we are for the next president, and what does (laughs) the next president have to do?
2: It's you know, is it's that's a great question, and. You know, where we are is uh, put us all down as undecided. (laughs) I mean, this does tack back and forth. And I I allow myself to say on morning, Joe, about three or four months ago, it was either after Paris or Brussels, to blurt out, that stack of metadata doesn't look as scary as it used to, does it, Joe? Yeah. In you know, exactly my right. flippant, irreverent way of saying, you know, this is hard stuff. Yes. And you've got to, you've got to balance these different things. You've got the Europeans now who spent, what, the last decade clucking at us.
0: Right, over over PNR, the <laughs> yeah. travel reservation right. data, which they're who, now who adopting. Now,
2: who are now passing laws that would never see the light of day in the American Congress yes. when it comes to invasive surveillance,
0: you know.
2: But they're, they're, they're,
0: they're still cheerfully still passing judgment on us. By law. <laughs> yes. 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 yes.
2: Yeah. And so – that's what I try to do in the book. Actually, it was really interesting, Stuart. Um, the, 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 the warp and woof of the book, the fabric, is this all sea of gray. And you, you pick X, you know, you're going to pay for Y and Z sooner or later. And at the height of the book tour, we get the Apple controversy. Yeah, which is which is exactly what what the the theme of the book is. You know, these aren't easy. And although I, I think Jim Comey has a right to get into the phone. I just don't think that's a good idea, <laughs> right? And and that it that it would that it will actually compromise American security. I believe the government has the right to demand it. I just don't think they should. And and you know that's a little bit different than than some who characterize these debates as the forces of light versus
0: the forces of darkness on either side, right? On both sides. You well, know, this just this just hard work. It is hard work. Oh, I, I let me ask you one more question because this is this is the thing that I was struck by. You you talked about how when you went to NSA, you knew they needed to be shaken up. And then when you went to CIA, you knew they needed to be settled down. and, and I think you were, you were almost certainly right about both of those, but especially the shaken up, uh, uh decision, uh, um, strikes me as you're coming in, you're, you're being parachuted in to, yeah. to run this big never ship. Had a with a day in the rudder. agency, never had a day in the agency before <laughs> yeah, and, I became director. And, and, and you have to bring to it the self-confidence to say, I know what these, this institution needs. Where did he Get the insight or the self confidence yeah. to, to make those judgments.
2: When our IT system went belly
0: up in January of 2001, oh, yeah, <laughs> well, you
2: know, we were dead in the water. We weren't moving a photon or an electron globally. America was without, was without Sigint for three and a half days. And I actually write in the book, Stuart, at that point, I had been very cautious. This is a national treasure. First, do no harm. Right. And at that point, I decided there is no course of action I could set out on that would be more dangerous to this agency than standing still. Yeah. And that's that I, and i don't i 'd love to take twenty five percent of the shots
0: over again, seriously right. yeah, right. no, so, so but, I, this is, you know every president comes in and thinks that the government runs by itself and that he can think great thoughts and and carry out his agenda, and then he discovers that the government only does the most basic stuff that you 'd expect it to do if he watches it and keeps. You know, oh. changing the valves and tweaking the, the, which, the which is I mean. very revealing,
2: very revealing um, for the current president with regard to the HHS website. Yes, with regard to the Snowden failure. Yeah,
0: All right. Well, I, I mean, think this, Abdel Mottaleb.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is, yeah, this all no, it won't. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I still remember the meetings as we're coming up on an anniversary or something, you know, a little, little heightened tension there. President will all call us into the oval and we start poking his finger in our sternums yep. saying, I want you to, you know, if this was not. Well, well, they've got it, they know their jobs. I'm I'm going to Crawford. No, right. no, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's a, it's it's remarkable and it, it it goes all the way to the top of the uh the government and uh um unfortunately there's nobody just to, to to poke the president and say, are you doing your job? That yeah. They have to, they have to do, or they, they, they hear from, uh, uh, politicians. Well,
2: actually, that's the creative tension with the other political branch. And so yeah. as, as much ink as I spent complaining about aspects of congressional oversight, it's absolutely, absolutely
0: essential to success. All right. Well, listen, this was a terrific book, a great read. Uh, It showed your personality. (laughs) Uh, uh, Stories about your life in Pittsburgh were particularly entertaining. uh, And so I recommend it highly, and I really thank you for coming in. Thank you. All right. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for uh, uh, your uh, uh, contributions on this, uh, uh, and also thanks to uh, General Hayden. as always, the Cyber Law Podcast is open to feedback, so send your feedback to cyberlawpodcast at steptoe.com. Uh, give us a good review on iTunes or other podcast aggregators if you get the chance. Uh, uh, and in closing, this has been episode 114 of the Steptoe Cyber Law Podcast, brought to you by Steptoe and Johnson. Coming up, we're going to be joined by Oren Kerr, the computer crime law guru, uh, by Kevin Kelly, the author of The Inevitable. Uh, he's a futurist and the uh, fascinating character uh, and by congressman will heard um, uh, who is has some of the best cyber law and cyber technology background of anyone in congress uh, we hope you'll join us as we once again provide insights into the latest events in technology security privacy and government